Since 2013, Stats and Stories has brought you conversations about everything from sports statistics to the science of cat videos to the utility of p-values, featuring the insights of experts from the social sciences, political science, and the hard sciences. Today, we're flipping things around as we are the experts as we mark the 100th episode of Stats and Stories, where we explore the statistics behind the stories and the stories behind the statistics. I'm Rosemary Pennington. Stats and Stories is a production of Miami University's Departments of Statistics and Media, Journalism, and Film, as well as the American Statistical Association. Joining me as always in the studio are regular panelists, John Baylor, Chair of Miami Statistics Department, and Richard Campbell, former and founding Chair of Media, Journalism, and Film. And our producer, Charles Blades, I think uh, asked y'all for some questions leading up to uh, this episode. So Charles, I think you have the first one, yes? Yes, I do. Uh, Bill Chavis asks, what was the inspiration for the show, and how did you all get to know each other? You want me to start, Richard? Sure, you start, John. Okay, so, well, uh, way back when, you know, this is well before the start of our our podcast days, Miami was considering a quantitative literacy requirement. And one aspect of, of that was a faculty learning community that got together and said, well, we, we, what would it look like to have a quantitative literacy requirement in the, in the college and maybe more generally at the university? And how would we build it? And I was involved in that process. And then, Richard, why don't you pick up how you got involved? So I got involved as the canary in the coal mine. <laughs> So they need felt like they needed a humanities person to sort of test the waters and make sure uh, we were on the right track. And uh, uh, it, I got to meet a lot of really interesting people who were not in my field. And I think that's been one of the great pleasures of Stats and Stories is uh, uh, the interdis- interdisciplinary nature of it. Well, then we started, though, with the uh, as part of that that effort. You and I were challenged to produce a course that would be a quantitative literacy kind of class for for a humanities audience. And that led to an honors course that, that we taught called News and Numbers. And that was inspired by Victor Cohn's book and also Joel Best's stat spotting book were two of the fundamental references. And that, that was a lot of fun. And I think that was 10 years ago, right? Oh, we my. We did that course. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, I remember a couple of things, too, because we made it um, we made it about uh, – we had students bring in a lot of data and charts and graphs from newspapers. And we would usually start a class by talking about those, and John would usually do a critique. And I remember my first experience sitting in that class with this uh, – uh, internationally known statistician as my teaching partner thinking, what am I doing in here? I don't know anything about <laughs> statistics. I'm scared to death. So John goes up to the board, and uh, this was in like the first five or ten minutes, and he puts up a chart or a graph, I can't remember what it was, and says, okay, class, what's the story here? And I immediately felt comfortable. <laughs> he was going to talk about this graph as something where you should be able to find the story. And, uh, and I think from that moment on, I was not always, not always easy uh, for me in that class, but I felt very comfortable, I think, very early on with John. So how did this become a podcast? Wow, that's, that's, a, that's sort of a fast forward in time. So one of the things that, you know, I learned a lot from Richard in the context of this and thinking about how do we 
we connect to a broader audience and the stories that we tell in the analysis we do, but we quickly realized it was pretty tough to replicate the, the, the small size class time and time again, especially with two people that had some other administrative responsibilities. Yeah, we, were, we were both department chairs, and it was hard to, to it was hard to pull it off the first time. I think we probably both did it as a course overload. We were we were busy, but it was uh, certainly one of the best experience teaching experiences I've had at Miami. Oh, me too, me too. But but this the idea of scale was something we thought about, and how do we we generalize it? And at that time, I was the uh, UN was going to have the World Statistics Day. And it was 2010, 2010, which was the, the 20th day of October in 2010. That was coming up. The 175th anniversary of the American Statistical Association was coming up. I had been on, I was serving on the board of the American Statistical Association around that time. I like how John works numbers into the, <laughs> well, into the know, conversation wherever he can. <laughs> well, we sort of were obligated, weren't we, Richard, to, yeah. to do that? And, and I, th I think that we said, well, what's the model for doing this at a larger scale? And the idea of trying to do a podcast was what emerged. Hmm. And this was John's idea. He came to me. We've got, you know, we have the facilities to do this in the media journalism and film program. I thought it was a great idea. I thought, again, I felt intimidated, but thought I would learn a lot. And, uh, and that actually happened. Yeah, and it was, it, we, we ended up having a lot of support. I mean, having a, a radio station, a former public radio station here on campus ended up meaning that we had this great facility. We also had engineers that could work with us, and we had uh, technical staff. You know, so we should give a shout out to to all of those people, like yeah, uh, Ringo Steve Beitzel, Ringo, Steve Beitzel, Ringo Jones, uh, Bob Long was our, mm -hmm. our was first our first moderator. moderator. Uh, Paula Paula Fote was involved in some of the IT part. Uh, mm -hmm. Guy Moore helped us get gear up for the the podcast presence. Larry Downs also helped us with some of the initial setup. So we had just a, a very generous collection of colleagues that that helped it get rolling. And we said, okay, where do we start? And we invited a, a colleague from the census, Tommy Wright, to come to campus, visit us at campus, and sit down in the studio with us. So this has been going on for six years now. Um, what do you think that you have learned the most uh, through doing this? Well, again, I would, I would talk about the variety of guests we've had from data journalists to scientists to uh, internationally known statisticians. Um, I find, uh, first of all, I've been amazed at how articulate they are about talking uh, about what they do. And I think it's made the mission of our of stats and stories a little easier because what we're trying to do is have people that work with numbers and data come and explain their research, uh, how data works, how statistics work, and I think by and large they've just done a great job of doing this and. And I thought my role on the show was going to be, hey, speak English. <laughs> and I've had to do that uh, probably never <laughs> on this show. Yeah, I mean, we, we have asked people to explain themselves sometimes, and they've done a great job at it. I've, I've been impressed at how generous people are with their time. I mean, the, the number of times that we've been told no is very small. You know, even with, with people that we've contacted, it, just, just cold contacts, 
you know, folks are interested in telling their story. From all over the world, too. Yeah. So uh, that's been a joy of this show, to have guests that, that uh, are in different countries on the other side of the, of the world. So par as part of this uh, origin story, Rosemary, we should talk about, you know, how, how you got... Uh, how I got hoodwinked into this. How you this. got suckered into doing <laughs> this. So, so, so what, what was it that got drew you into this? Um, Richard, largely. Richard. Uh, I mean, so I'm a former public radio producer and host and have been doing that since I was 19 and was also a science medical reporter at one point and um, do mixed methods in my own research. And I think Richard knew all of that. And when Bob was retiring, approached me and said, hey, we do this podcast. Would you be interested? Uh, we have a, someone else on faculty who could also moderate and you guys could switch out. And I'm like, sure, if it's not me doing it by myself all the time. And then here we <laughs> nice, are. Richard. I don't know when this was, when this started a couple of years ago, right? And uh, I've been here ever since. Um, it's been great for me because I miss doing journalism um, and I still think of myself as a journalist first even though I've been an academic uh, since 2007 um, but there's something nice about sort of sitting down and talking to someone because that was my favorite part of being a journalist was actually talking to people and yeah, hearing their yeah. stories and so being able to sort of pick the brains of all these really interesting people and find out how they got interested in what they do and how they do what they do and why they think it's important has been really fun. What's, what's been the most surprising thing that you've your, your experience with the stats and stories? I I don't know. I don't know. I was trying to think about that this morning, and I don't know if it's anything is super, has been super surprising, yeah. just because I feel like I have a fairly basic, you know, I think maybe for me the surprising thing is that I understand more than I thought I would. Mm -hmm. um, you know, I took stats as an undergrad at Ohio University, and I had to take statistics when I was in uh, graduate school. Um, and had to learn to run, you know, chi-square and secondary analysis by hand. Um, and I just, you know, I understand stats, but some of the conversations we've had, I'm like, I think I, I understand things better than I thought I did, which is sort of, you know, nice. <laughs> and I feel like well, I'm, I'm more informed than I thought coming into this. Well, you know, I, I was worried when, when Bob was, was leaving as a moderator, mm -hmm. but, but you, you so have done such a great job. I mean, it's been a, been a real treat to to have you provide that kind of steady hand at the at the tiller as we move, fo move forward. And it, and it's been nice too. I feel like uh, it takes two journalists to equal one status. <laughs> oh come on! So uh, so I always feel between Rosemary and I, we can handle John. Oh. So. Well, I think that speaks to sort of the one of the missions of this program, right, is to make this information accessible. And I think yeah. there is this stereotype that journalists um, don't like numbers or are scared of numbers. Uh, and I think that I think it's partly a sort of the way journalists are often educated, because, again, in grads in undergrad, I took a logic uh, reasoning class and a statistics class. And those were my math classes in undergrad. Um, and then I didn't take another math class until I went to grad school and had to take stats. And I was like, oh, God, I'm going to die. Um, <laughs> but it's not that it's not understandable. I think it's sort of the way we framed this as a profession where people who are scared of numbers run to. And so people sort of hold on to that. Um, but I think one of the nice things has been being able to sort of break down some of this really complicated information. That way, someone who is coming to it um, as a novice or without much background information can kind of understand even the sort of more difficult to follow stuff. I, you know, I think there's a complementary point to that, too, and that is that, that some people go into to the stat side and to the more mathematical science side because of not wanting to write, mm. not mm -hmm. wanting that type of component or not feeling like they're very good at it. And I, I find that that's you know, breaking down the, those walls in both directions is something that's an important goal for us. Mm -hmm. One of the things that uh, Rosemary alluded to was uh, I've come to appreciate 
I always thought of journalists and myself as a generalist, somebody that needs to know a lot about a lot mm -hmm. of different things. And I've come to appreciate statisticians as generalists as well. And there aren't very many, in, and I think we need more of those types in academia uh, so we can talk across disciplinary boundaries. I, everybody talks about we should do more interdisciplinary stuff, but the truth is a lot of times it's hard to break those boundaries down, but I think statisticians and journalists and journalism professors are folks that try to do that. And I think that's been one of the great joys of the show is going across different kind of boundaries and having these wonderful conversations with really smart people about what it is they do and about the importance of understanding numbers and making sure journalists tell those stories in the best way they can. I, I've been impressed at, at just the quantitative sophistication of some of the data journalism mm -hmm. stories mm -hmm. that, that we've seen. Mm -hmm. I mean, I, I think that the, the, the world is changing in terms of how stories are built and how stories are reported. And the tools for, for visualizing, the, the complexity of the analyses that are done that lead mm -hmm. to these stories has just, just qu quickly quickly evolved and become more complicated. And it's it's a cha real challenge to try to convey that to a general audience, but I, but it seems like journalists really are embracing that now. John, what's it been like for you to to have to sit behind a microphone and do this? Uh, weird. <laughs> <laughs> I, you know, I, this is a, 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 among the many things in life you don't anticipate ever doing. This is, this is up there. <laughs> you know, I, I didn't. I, I didn't really think that I'd ever have strong collaboration with journalism, and it's one of the you know the the joys of teaching a class with a journalist, and then the mm -hmm. experience of working very closely with journalists has been has been a lot of fun. The uh, the experience of doing this, I. I, f I find that it's uh, it's pretty sobering to listen to yourself recorded as many of us think about as kids and as we get older, but then to do it when you're talking to people and and trying to think on your feet as you're as you're talking to someone about work that they've done, there, there's a lot of homework to get ready. There's also a lot of, of nimbleness in trying to respond as you're talking to someone, and I find that's a that I, I, I think I'm getting better, I hope, but I know I'm not, I'm, I haven't converged to, to, to great or, or good <laughs> even perhaps. But yeah, it's been, a, it's been a lot of fun, but a challenge. You're listening to Stats and Stories, and today we're celebrating our 100th episode. As I said earlier, our producer Charles Blades had asked uh, you all for some questions, and he has another one, I think, um, for us. Yes, uh, James Cote asks, uh, who is your guys' dream guest for the show and why? Oh boy, <laughs> John's probably so, got a whole bag. No, I, <laughs> I, you know we've had just some wonderful guests on here. I mean, yes. I've, I've been, I, I mean, I've there have been a number of people whose work that I've I've followed for for years in my career, and I've been able to 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 talk to them on the show. So that's been great. Um, you know, so so Charles, am I limited to people that have to, have to be alive, or can I go back in time and, and think that uh, you know who alive, I'm alive? John, they have to be able to be. Yeah, yeah we want to try to get them as <laughs> we want to try to get them as guests, John. <laughs> I, I thought I could, I, you know, that sort of opened up the pool a little bit to think about this. I, I you know, I, I I've really liked. Uh, the work that Hans Rosling done now now deceased, but mm. you know now I'm, I'm I know we're not going to get a medium here. We're not going to try to <laughs> go beyond the grave, but but his you know he he's the co-author of a book Factfulness with um, with kid with his kids, and I th I think that I would love to to talk to one or both of them as part of an episode. I think that that's been a very impactful book. It's one of those books that that 
uh, I think Bill Gates had, mm -hmm. had promoted, although he'd be a great guest as well, to talk about some of the work that they're doing with development. Mm -hmm. So those are, those are a couple that come to mind for me. Right. I, I always thought we, we tried early on. We thought about Nate Silver at mm -hmm. 538, mm -hmm. and uh, that was – and then he got uh, really well-known and was doing a lot of stuff. So that became kind of impossible, although we've had a lot of people from 538 mm -hmm. uh, as guests on, on the show over time. Uh, but particularly, I think, with this new – this next political season coming up, I would be interested in – in uh, in more uh, statisticians and journalists talking about uh, the use of numbers and in polling, that, that kind of thing is interesting to me. I have two. Okay. Uh, Danica McKellar, because I um, love the book she wrote and was also a huge Wonder, Wonder Years fan and wanted to be Wendy when I was a child. Oh, okay. Um, and she, I think she's done a lot to sort of, I think, make um, math and statistics accessible to especially girls. Because mm -hmm. um, I was certainly one of those girls who, going through school, um, was made to feel like math was not something I could do. Uh, and, I, and I actually really, once again, once I took that graduate stats class, I'm like, I really enjoy math. I wish someone had sort of helped me understand that much earlier because my dream job when I was a child was to be an astronomer, which brings me ah. to the person who I who is like my dream, dream guest is Brian Cox. He is a British um, physicist who teaches at the University of Manchester, um, hosted the wonders of like the solar system and universe on BBC, hosts a podcast called The Infinite Monkey Cage with Robert Ince, um, and has just, um, he was in a couple of pop bands in the 90s too, Dare and D-Ream, <laughs> he plays keyboard, and he just presents really incredibly complicated material in a very thoughtful and a very accessible way. And I think for me, it's what I always appreciate is, um, you know, that Carl Sagan-esque ability to sort of translate, particularly science, because I am, was obsessed and still am obsessed with science, um, to like a, to an, a broad audience. And he just seems very personable um, and is also very famous and very busy. So I'm sure he's never going to be on this podcast, but that's sort of my dream. Charles, let's get this guy. Work yeah, on it, Charles. Job. That's your job. <laughs> I'd, I'd like to get Joel Best on. Uh, I mean, we've had Joel visit, mm -hmm. and he he's wrote the book Stat Spotting, which is the field guide to dubious data. And mm -hmm. Richard and I had used his his book as part of that news and numbers class, and I've I've really appreciated the work that he's done. There's some other folks, maybe through the National Numeracy Network or mm -hmm. some other connections that I think would be fun. I I would like to to maybe find one of Victor Cohn's yeah. relatives or collaborators, oh, yeah. and you know, sort of as someone who really was a leader in the early data journalism thinking and ideas. We've, we've already had some folks that are at the forefront of that type of work, like Mark Hansen, mm -hmm. who's, who's done work and at uh, Columbia School mm -hmm. of Journalism and some of the data stuff that data journalism and, and the work that he's doing, the stories that he's based on analyses that he's done. It's really been, been remarkable. Uh, are, are there particular topics that we haven't had that, that, that you all were I would like about? I would like more hard, like like astronomy, physics kind of stuff. I mean, that's because I'm a nerd. Uh, no, and it basically gives me, that's what I love. That's the beautiful no. thing about journalism, right, is that it gives you access to people's brains. And especially on this program, to be able to talk to people doing, you know, doing interesting research in those fields. Um, I mean, for me, it just is always really fascinating just to talk to them about the work they're doing. And it's the one thing I miss about be, being a science reporter in uh, at UAB, um, Sarah Parkak is a 
archaeologist who uses um, geospatial mapping to mm-hmm. um, sort of uh, examine sort of ancient sites. And I interviewed her, um, was one of the last pieces I did for WBHM in Birmingham, Alabama, um, about this, the way that she was using this technology to help the School of Public Health. Um, and so it was really interesting to sort of talk to her about how that work had developed from being for her this sort of archaeological tool to something that she was using with her public health partners. Mm, mm. And her grand, I think it was her grandfather or great-grandfather had at one point done survey photography from planes, like in the early 1900s. So it was like a really, it was a beautiful story because I could sort of, you know, bring it full circle. But um, stuff like that, you know, it was just a random conversation we had had in passing that turned into a, a longer piece. And I just loved, I love that kind of stuff. For me, uh, it's probably something that's connected to my own interests and work, which is the tremendous loss of journalists over the last Mm. uh, 15 years. We've gone from 55,000 reporters working for daily newspapers to less than 28,000. So this has created a lot of uh, what we are calling news deserts. And uh, I think one of our goals is to have the folks at North Carolina who did the study that found there are 1,300 news deserts in the United States. These are communities with little or no journalistic coverage. Um, And in a country where the only organization or institution that's mentioned in the Constitution is the press— uh, our founders clearly believed that for democracies to be healthy, we needed to have uh, strong journalism. And so this is something that I'm worried about, especially in, in rural communities mm-hmm. and, in, mm-hmm. uh, and in urban areas where there's, uh, the, 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 there's a lot of stories out there that aren't being told. And I was going to say, this sort of reminds me of another point, because we often ask our guests what sort of frustrates them in relation to sort of coverage of statistical information. And I think that that shrinking newsroom is related to an issue of science reporting that's not always, or, or statistical reporting that's not always as, as thorough as it could be. And I, you know, I just, since I have the microphone right now, you know, that's never a criticism necessarily of journalists themselves, but sort of the practices of a newsroom where you're sort of chasing to fill a hole or, you know, I'm again, a broadcaster by training, you've got 30 seconds that you have to fill a story with, you know, and um, sort of the constraints of the newsroom um, don't always allow for the depth um, that I think we would like to see in some of the stuff um, that, you know, gets covered. I mean, certainly I don't like talking to reporters now on the other side of the spectrum. Oh, I hate it. Yeah. Oh, God, I hate okay. it. It's, uh, but and it's it's not, again, necessarily their fault. It's sort of like the nature of the of the newsroom, fewer resources, less time means that they don't always have as much time to sort of do the kind of research we'd like them to do. And I think it's, again, really, and it, this is for stats, this is for politics, this is for anything, um, is that um, the issue of news deserts is important not only for those rural communities, but also for the fact that those shrinking newsrooms um, makes the coverage of everything, including um, statistical information or public health or science, uh, much more um, um, complicated to do well, I think. I'm, I think sort of related to that is the idea of, of just trust in source, yeah. the trust mm-hmm. in, in news, and, and all the concerns that have emerged in discussions of disinformation or fake news and what that might be. I, I know the American Statistical Association has a, a working group on that, that where you have statisticians and computer scientists that are working on it, as well as people that are science science journalists or mm-hmm. part of that process. But but that investigation is something that I worry a lot about. I, I worry about kind of how do we, how do we help us all be be prepared to receive and critically consume 
information and and maybe avoid fooling ourselves by by just uh, reinforcing our prior beliefs and and how we source the the, the information we get. Mm-hmm. So I think the you know stats and stories has uh, I think one of our obligations has become you know bringing folks on on uh, the podcast that can speak to the importance of science, the importance of data, the importance of evidence. Uh, in in a time where uh, evidence uh, is being criticized and critiqued, yeah. it's uh, it's all it's it's sometimes it's sort of uh, everybody's opinion is the equal, and uh, and I think we like to argue that if you have an opinion, it's better if you have evidence mm-hmm. and uh, behind that opinion. Yeah, I mean, because researchers and journalists face both that same skepticism. Yeah. You know, the public tends to distrust journalists. I think when you look at the, although I think the last rankings I saw were ranking a little higher. It's going up. It's yes. going up slowly but surely. But for a very long time, it was re, it was like politicians, lawyers, and journalists <laughs> were all kind of bundled together. Um, but I do think sort of the response to um, uh, recent political events uh, and the fake news stuff um, has made people sort of, I think, value quality journalism. But it's still this thing where you're faced with skepticism. Researchers come to an audience with evidence and journalists come to an audience with evidence. And if, that again, that evidence doesn't confirm what you believe, you don't want to believe it. And in, in this sort of hypermediated space, you don't have to. You can right. find someone else to sort of prop up your beliefs or say, no, 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 you know, vaccines do cause autism. Or, you know, this person did do this thing this way or said this thing, even though all of the evidence would suggest otherwise. So it is a really complicated and difficult time to be doing this work. So what, what do you two think uh, the, the, the next steps will be for, for Stats and Stories? If, if we happen to sit here for episode 200, <laughs> if you were going to... Now, see, here I am in, in, engaging in the dangers of extrapolation. Yes. <laughs> but, but, you know, if you were thinking about what, what kind of challenges, what types of, of tasks or should we should we engage with as we move forward? Well, I my own view is, you know, one of the things that we know that's happening with stats and stories is classrooms are starting to listen. Uh, we get a lot of compliments from teachers about uh, this as an introduction to talk thinking about statistics and numbers and science. Uh, I like that. I, I think uh, we we certainly feel like I think we have an educational mission to advance that, and I'd like to keep doing it until John runs out of guest ideas. <laughs> <laughs> and I think for me, I think getting it uh, more broadly in front of a journalistic audience, yeah. um, yes. you know, and I think we've been talking about that for a while, how to do that. And um, journalists are busy and trying to get them to... to um, to sort of carve out more of their time to do to do something like listen to a podcast um, is difficult when there's so many other podcasts to be listening to. But I would like to do more work to try to get this in front of you know SPJ or RTNDA or all online news association, all these spaces where maybe we could reach a broader journalistic audience. And what about you, John? I, I think you hit two two topics that are near and dear to my heart as well. I mean, I, I look at, at the possible partnerships that we might have with groups that are preparing materials for for teachers to use in their classrooms, the idea of lesson plans maybe mm-hmm. being paired with stats and stories to help with with encouraging students to start exploring on their own. I, I hope that we'll be able to make more more progress there. I know that, that colleagues like Dennis Pearl and, and folks at, at CAUSE are interested in, in this, and so perhaps we'll see that emerge and see that develop as time mm-hmm. goes on. 
but this this has been a real treat. I mean, I think that that I've I've felt uh, blessed and fortunate to to work with outstanding colleagues, and to have the the chance to to talk to folks that are doing really really cool stuff all around the world. And I feel that same way, John. Well, that is it for our 100th episode. Stats and Stories is a partnership between Miami University's Departments of Statistics and Media, Journalism, and Film and the American Statistical Association. You can follow us on Twitter or iTunes. If you'd like to share your thoughts on the program, send your email to statsandstories at miamioh.edu and check us out at statsandstories.net. And be sure to listen for future editions of Stats and Stories, where we discuss the statistics behind the stories and the stories behind the statistics.